0: This is the shift podcast today on the shift daily podcast. What is inflation and why are we thinking about it in possibly all the wrong ways? David Johnson, a retired professor of economics at Wilfrid Laurier University answers that very quandary that we have. What is inflation and all other questions that we could possibly think of? What would you do with $5,000 in your pocket right now? Your calls and texts and are you okay with very dumb drug dealers?
1: This is the
0: Shift Podcast. Are you okay with classic cars?
2: Oh, oh, oh. yeah, absolutely. I'd say favorite? my favorite is I already had you, the Aston Martin DB5. Yeah, I just think it's oh. like, yeah, it's a James Bond car. You know, classics. It's, it's, it's classic, and I could buy it. And there are companies that modernize that car, give it like a suspension that's actually not horrible, make it perform better, air conditioning. That's the Mm. only thing with buying a classic car is, you know, they look beautiful, unmatched aesthetic quality. And then you drive them and they're crap. They're just absolutely Mm. terrible to drive. So that's the thing. These days you got to buy the car and then buy the, you know, the retrofit to make it drivable in 2022.
0: That's fat, that's fascinating, isn't it? Like you look at some of these old cars and you you see how actually quite terrible they were. Porsche 911 1979 turbo. Mm, yeah. That would be choice. one. Or 911 70 to 73. Not a turbo. Just it's got uh the slant back. Um Yeah. But it's got it's got the chrome badging, not the red badging. So I would do that. BK, would you buy another Volvo?
3: I uh, no. No, I wouldn't buy buy a car right now, unless I had a lot of money, like $5,000 out of the blue. But no, um, I like, I prefer the classic cars at car shows um, to the modern cars, I think classic car. I like retro. There's always something that's a retro appealing to me, Um, but I'm not really a car guy in general, to be honest, Hmm. so.
0: Well, some of the old ones like Ryan's talking about, you get take like an old Lamborghini and a Ford Escape would beat it today. <laughs> like, it would yeah. oh, yeah. take the weight of Honda the car, Civic. right? Like, I, I'm making that up, but as an example.
2: No, so you are right know, though. I'm, yeah. They literally tra- did on the track on a Grand Tour one time. They raced a Kuntash, which is like Lamborghini Countach, the Lamborghini Kuntash, yeah. the poster car, one of the most famous cars ever made. And it lost to a Honda Civic by yeah, like seven a, a seconds. Yeah
0: so very heavy um very very cool though what about classy classic cars see i would go for a rolls royce right now or an old bentley ryan knows i do this to him all the time i'm like ryan look out this bentley um it's like 20 year old 30 year old (laughs) bentley's 40 year old Bentleys, but old rolls royce like that's
3: that's nice stuff i could do that you'd be afraid of denting it yes yeah you would be yeah yeah i would just not let ryan drive it okay good good call
0: Good call. Okay, so high end brands like Rolls Royce, Mercedes, Bentley, amazing cars. Not so great, though, at drug smuggling. What? Well, we now know this because some drug traffickers uh, in Australia tried and failed to bring in $155 million worth of drugs into the Courtney.
2: Wait, wait, wait! Hold up! But yeah, before you, you hit just, the typo button, yeah. you missed the song.
3: Yeah, you just rolled what right song? past that.
0: What song? You said Australia. Oh, Australia! Oh, you know wow. why I missed the song? You did. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. Totally. So you would have more time yeah. to grab. I rolled right song. through it. It's true. You know why Monday I missed it no? though? I was even thinking because they actually tried to smuggle it from Canada. That's what I was thinking at the time, but as Ryan has pointed out, he's absolutely right. We can't just move on and, and yeah. do that yeah. no. without Australia.
2: Just drive from town to paradise
3: and you'll see why we call Australia home. Australia. Australia.
0: Thank you for saving me there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Equilibrium is back.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, much better.
0: We know this because drug traffickers in Australia, see Straya Song, tried to bring in $155 million worth of drugs into the Courtney. I'm going back to the old. uh, Yep. um, Yep. That's a typo. Into the country from Canada via a Rolls Royce. And the country, well, way to go, Canada, smuggling drugs like that.
1: Here's a clip.
4: A relic of the 60s in almost perfect condition, pulled apart by police. Bags of ice found packed behind the headlights. The stash of street drugs worth $155 million on a first-class trip halfway around the world. Arriving on a cargo ship from Canada earlier this month, a suspicious scan of the container catching the eye of Border Force, the haul removed before authorities cleared the car to continue its journey to Western Sydney, its final stop, the driveway of this Rooty Hill home.
3: We uh, affected the arrest of two individuals whilst they were cutting into the panels of this vehicle trying to look for the narcotics that was hidden inside the car.
4: The two men in their 20s, along with two others, now behind bars in the case before the courts.
0: The car. That's from Nine News, by the way. Okay. Uh, Shane, can you describe the way they dismantled the car the way you did to me? Yes, I can, Ryan. So here's what they did. So they took this Rolls Royce, they brought it in the country, and they're like, hey, that's weird, feels funny. I don't know, maybe it was heavier. They decided to x-ray it. They x-rayed it. They're like, that doesn't look like a car should look in the x-ray. There's all kinds of extra stuff in there. What did they do? They took the Rolls Royce apart, into pieces. They found the drugs, $155 million Australian dollars worth of drugs. That's a lot of drugs. Took all the drugs out put the car back together again, sent the car on its merry way to the destination. What did they do? They staked out the joint. They, they parked outside this house. They were watching, waiting for these bad guys to come get the car, collect it from the shipping company. They did. They took the car home, and here is what police found at the house. Oh, I was supposed to read that significant okay, amount of <laughs> methamphetamine. I'm doing really well here so far for a Monday morning, a significant <laughs> amount of methamphetamine along with two pounds of marijuana, which doesn't seem like a lot in the $155 million. I think that was for personal use. Let's be honest. 12 live marijuana plants, THC wax, prescription tablets, pills and capsules. Four firearms were also seized along with 500 other pieces of evidence including suspected illegal wildlife of animal and animals. Law enforcement also recovered a trailer stolen in Wichita back in 2020 in Australia. So here's the thing. This is the funniest thing. Like you would think that these are mastermind criminals. It's 155 Australia, uh, million Australian dollars. Like you'd think that you would be smart. So they took this car that had been stripped of the drugs. They took it to their house. They backed it into a carport. Everyone knows what a carport is, right? Not a garage, not a garage, a carport with the front end of it hanging out on the driveway and started to disassemble the car in front of everybody in front of this house where the cops saw them, found all the stuff we need a stupid criminals thing
2: oh we need a button for that yeah, yeah. Mm, i can uh this this story has inspired me uh yeah. to to create it uh so i'll work on that okay. i'll work on that thanks buddy yeah
0: i uh I, in the meantime i'll give them this Ooh. um Oof. i um yeah okay good well more buttons i i, I missed like three of them so i don't think we should be adding more buttons (laughs) (laughs) Too many buttons (laughs) Ah, well hey it's a new work week let's start it off on a good positive note shall we thanks for listening to the shift are you okay with emotional support pets
2: oh absolutely the first one that i ever encountered was it was it was both an emotional support uh pet but also a guide dog for uh a, a fellow camper when i still went to the summer camp as a camper and she was uh she was bl- mo- i think 90 percent blind and this dog was just amazing to watch you know like it's just it's amazing how great of an understanding they can have of what they need to be and do for their owners and you know it's not just dogs too these days often dogs But uh, I love watching them work. It's too bad. You want to go pet them, but you can't because they're on the job. But
0: they're so good. Do you draw the distinction? Because I think that sounds more like a service dog, not an emotional support animal. Like, do you? Do you feel like they fall in the same place or do you feel like they're different?
2: They can. I think there's people who have mental health uh, issues and the animals are huge support for them that, you know, the difference between having a rough day and a great day, having that animal Mm -hmm. by your side. And in a way, I would say that's sort of a service. However, they're trained. They just do very different things than the intensive training that. you know, like a guide dog is going to have to go through. And I don't understand. I'm not going to pretend to know what the training is like. But I think Mm -hmm. there is a distinction. But um, uh, I would say anybody that actually uses a, you know, emotional support animal will tell you how important they are in their lives.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, Very cool. Love it. Um, There are some weird ones, right? That's for sure. And I do think that people are guilty of, uh, you know, just... uh, overusing the term any animal that provides support comfort or aid to an individual through companionship unconditional positive regard and affection may be regarded as an emotional support animal Now keep that in mind as you hear about a very big emotional support animal from philadelphia this is sienna
1: why yes
4: that's an alligator on a leash <laughs> not completely crazy right boris uh, okay right uh, that's wally and he's the emotional support animal of a philadelphia man who rescued the gator back in 2016. of course people of all ages stopped to take pictures hopefully from afar with the affable alligator some even picked up wally to uh, pet him boris
0: This might be weird for Philly, but I know a guy in Miami that has a 12-foot gator as a pet in his front yard. It's not that weird for Florida. Well, I think that's worth hearing the Florida song.
3: I don't know how things work in Florida, which from your description sounds like a colorful
0: lawless swamp. (laughs) It's a lot easier to understand than dot, 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 by the way. I just feel like I'll throw that out there. Mm -hmm. Hmm. CNN actually found out where the f- gator came from. Wally was removed from a lagoon in Florida and a friend of the owner bought the baby alligator, just 20 inches long at the time, little over a year old, and brought it to Pennsylvania. Thus began a unique relationship between man and reptile. The alligator has provided comfort for the owner as he has undergone radiation treatments for cancer. Okay, that one's weird to me. Wow. I...
2: It's a bit much. I yeah. will say the video of the gator is adorable because they're at a splash park. <laughs> there's like children around and the gators oh on a leash and there's a, you know, like a, a fountain, you know, it's like spraying the water up and the gator walks over and then he just plops down on top of the water and it looks like a dog doing it. It's really weird. Um, and that it's in a it seems like a pretty chill alligator, but I just I don't think I could ever be relaxed around an alligator. Even if it's chill,
3: no, no. alligator. Yeah, it's no. a certain level of tension you should have around an alligator. However, I feel like we should change this entire segment to just be Florida or Australia, and just have the listeners guess where the story is coming from. Oh, Which that's one that's a great that's idea. Special. I'm gonna make That's a great
0: idea. Well done. It's no longer called. Are you okay with? We have now decided. Uh, but in the meantime, until we come up with a new intro, are you okay with, <laughs> is it from Florida, slides, are you okay with slides? Uh, I much prefer a flip-flop, I find my feet stay in them better.
2: Oh, you're talking about that kind of slide.
0: Oh. Um, Why? Well, what are you talking about?
2: I'm talking about like, wee slides.
0: Oh, oh how, how like do they do that again? Yeah. We <laughs> Oh, you go up the slide now. No. no.
2: <laughs> we? we like that. Yeah.
0: I think it sounded more fun the first time. Can you do it more fun? Yeah, way?
2: yeah. You well, asked me to replicate it and then I got nervous, so okay. right. yeah, he's uh, anyway, like right. so gotta yeah. ride it out. It's yeah.
0: a, you gotta wait until his right gets so uncomfortable that, that becomes the answer. Uh there you go. Okay. Um There is my son went on the um went on the water slides at West Ed like the the pink one that goes like upside down like up and down and up
2: oh amazing
0: um never been on those water slides before was that the first one you went on by the way yeah that was the first one he went on was that one
3: he started
2: with that that's that's where he started do you know how that slide starts you don't just sit down and go in it you're in a tube and you hear a countdown that goes three two one and a trap door opens and you go straight down It's it's awesome crazy.
0: Wow. Awesome. Wow. Yeah.
2: Um, oh, yeah. It's amazing.
0: There's a giant slide in Detroit that just opened, and if you ride it, it sounds like this. That's you. That's you, Oh, that was great. That was Oh. Okay. Well, yeah. I was more of a wee, but I get it. Um...
3: <laughs> oh, I see what you were doing there. Okay. I was looking for Ryan's wee. Yeah. Oh. For... I panicked. Oh. I was like, oh. I've (laughs) got to make noise.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Remote work. Ryan, can you hit me with a wee? Do you want me to do it while the sun? Okay, yeah. Wee! Okay, wait, wait.
0: Oh, no, I wasn't ready yet. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Hey, look, we're hearing this for the first time, too, right? Like, we don't rehearse this stuff, clearly. Never. Um, There's a giant slide in Detroit that's just reopened. When you ride it, it sounds like this.
1: Wee!
0: There it is. And then they had to close it four hours later. Why? Because it was bumpy. This is the sound of people going down it. Just listen for the bumps oh oh that's legit is that it for real Wow
2: oh yeah and like when you say bump like they're flying inches in the air like getting proper air several times down the slide
0: Wow so what in the heck is going on with this slide when it's supposed to sound like it's Whee! when it's supposed to there but it doesn't it sounds like bumps wdiv news
3: in Detroit has this. It's actually way bigger in person than I thought it would be. Yeah. I could say that. It's really steep going up
1: there. Seems like everyone is talking about the return of the giant slide at Bel-El and the viral video of kids bouncing on the way down the 40-foot
0: structure.
3: Hey, you can wreck your back on the giant slide. Even
0: rapper G-Mac Cash.
1: It sound like they, like I said in the song, jumping off a building. It sound like they... It sounded like it hurt. In his song, he talks about how it's very different from the giant slide he remembers growing up. The one we had, it was it was all yellow. That one's not appealing. Ours was appealing. Ours made you want to get on it. That one. I look at that. Well, I, I don't know about that. Still, some older folks believe it's all a part of growing up. In my generation, my age, during the time, we broke down the island. Heavyweight. In this video, however, someone from the Department of Natural Resources explains the proper way to go down the slide without flying. Biggest thing is you got to lean forward and stay leaning forward and hold on
0: tight. I don't know what just happened. With that whole clip, the whole thing was so wild. Okay, a statement from Joel Thomas, Belle Isle Supervisor for the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, read, hopefully after our small adjustment, we'll be back up and running and the slide will be slower for more enjoyment. For this evening, we're giving it a little scrub down and we'll be back open at 11 tomorrow. <laughs> The Michigan Department of Natural Resources, which has operated Belle Isle since 2014, said they waxed and washed the slide surface to slow down riders and expected to reopen for the second time on the weekend. Yeah,
2: it did reopen. (sighs) I haven't seen. I am just checking the headlines. There is no reports of of further uh, injuries or airtime since this story. So maybe they figured it out. But it, it is interesting because the, the when the guy there at the end says, this is how you do it, he assumes this very awkward position. And yeah, he doesn't get any airtime, but it looks like the most uncomfortable way to enjoy an amusement park ride. So I think I'd rather just get the airtime.
0: <laughs> is he the guy that was saying, gotta lean forward?
2: No, 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 no. That was the guy at the very end, not the rapper, because he had the bystander, the rapper, and then the old yeah. guy who said, Head, big heavyweight, and then the other yeah. guy.
0: Yeah. He's heavy on the forward. Okay. Um, There you go. Uh, Whatever that just was, it happened. (laughs) Glad you're here. This is the Shift Podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling the pinch. Every time I get the groceries, every time I get the gas. So all we hear about it, inflation this inflation that it's actually been a very very convenient political excuse in a lot of ways but there's no denying that things are expensive fuel being driven by it and so we wanted to get into a conversation about how do we truly look at this like we needed some advice david johnson uh, former professor of economics wilfrid Laurier university and uh just a big old history in economics and I will acknowledge, first of all, uh, David's calling us from a summer vacation, which I truly appreciate. How are you, David? And what is inflation? Let's start there.
1: Which inflation is the the annual rate of increase in the price level. Mm-hmm. So if you have an inflation rate of 14%, that means that when you spend $100 to buy a fixed bundle, a fixed group of goods, Last year, you would spend $114 this year. Um, And that would, we had, we certainly had inflation rates of 14%. I've been a student of macroeconomics since uh, the, uh, almost afraid to admit it, 1974. (laughs) And certainly in that early part of my life, inflation rates of 10% were were quite normal. And uh, people thought about inflation much more. And then we had a long period where we didn't think much about inflation. It actually was happening. Uh, The Bank of Canada since 1991 has set a target of 2% inflation, uh, which means that the things that cost $100 last year would cost $102 this year um and that's been ongoing since about 1991 until this year we basically had two percent inflation
0: so when we talk about two percent inflation david i think let's break it down right into everybody's lap here i I here's what I imagine is happening in everybody's head. Okay, well, if the your example of what was a dollar last year is now a dollar two this year, what was a hundred dollars last year is a hundred and two dollars this year. Okay. So that kind of number um, resonates with people because I can almost hear the audience go, "Yeah, but I'm not getting a two percent raise every year. That must be impactful."
1: Well, the audience in the historical sense is actually wrong. Um, the audience. Uh, has real, you could, people have been able to buy more things with their earnings pretty much consistently in most years after the Second World War. Uh, economists would use the word real incomes, which is to say people have more purchasing power with the same hour of work. Um, now than they did twenty years ago. Uh, talk to a grandparent. Well, if you're if you're I am a grandparent, so I can't really talk to one. Um, but it, people are better off. We um, my favorite example is always my mother because I once asked her what did people eat in the winter time in Toronto in 1930 when she was a ten year old and she will say, well, we ate cabbages, we ate carrots, we ate. Um, Uh, potatoes Uh, we never saw a piece of fresh fruit Mm -hmm. we saw canned fruit and we got an orange in our stocking for Christmas and that was super duper exciting so if you think about going to what people, really what the average Canadian eats and I do mean average, not even the upper class one they can go into a grocery store they can buy all kinds of fruits and vegetables off season, we just take that all for granted, that's a higher standard of living, so the idea that we're worse off than we were 20 years ago, is pretty much false. And and then you can think of lots of other non-food examples. I mean, you know, things like cell phones are just so much better than they were 10 years ago. And even cars are better than they were 30 years ago. So there's lots of ways in which we're better off. And the idea that just because we've had increases in the price level systematically, above 2% since 1991. We've also had increases in buying power, and that means we've had larger increases in wages on average. One thing I will say to people, and we do understand this in economics, people, um, I'll I'll put it the way I've often explained it to a class, people think they deserve their wage increases, but somehow the price increases are targeted at them.
0: yeah well absolutely that's a human condition of today's world right like this is all happening to me and someone's doing this to me that's without a doubt i mean that is a much larger philosophical conversation
1: we see the price of gas rising from 80 cents a liter to two dollars a liter we take that as personally offensive to us but if somebody raises our wage from $35 Thirty-five dollars an hour to thirty-nine dollars an hour. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's because I'm wonderful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that makes absolute sense. Like this is the way that we perceive things, and and we do we do as a society carry this notion that somebody owes me and somebody's coming to save me. And I mean that is very. Uh, I, I love the fact that you've included that in this conversation. Now the macro look, uh, the larger overreaching look that that you take in your work. Uh, sort of a micro look gets you know into these short term costs i mean there's no denying that things have gone up in value short term that does sting paycheck to paycheck but are we looking at this the wrong way do we need to just go look it's going to settle out um the fact that you know gas is more this week doesn't mean it's going to be like this 4 months from now we have to be patient
1: well the the last year episode the 8% that we're looking at now a great, I mean, some of that, and this is where the Bank of Canada, who manages the inflation rate, can be legitimately worried. Some of that is across a large number of goods and appears to be a number bigger than 2%, which means people will want more than a 2% wage increase, which means other costs will want a more than 2%. Uh, cost increase and so on. So when you listen to the Bank of Canada talk about a, a bad cycle, that's what they have in mind. That being said, when you look at the numbers, and I will tell people that the that Statistics Canada has like the most amazing pictorial website of inflation, which they didn't have when I learned. Um, but for example, from last month to this month, the price of gas dropped. Now, it had gone up a lot from last year, but it did drop in the last month. Now, we really do understand why the price of energy has gone up. We understand that six months ago, the Ukrainian war broke out, and we know that that caused a massive disruption of energy supplies around the world. And the reality is that Canada buys and sells energy at the world price. If we are a Canadian oil producer, we are not going to accept. We're not going to charge Canadians less for oil than we would get from someone in the rest of the world. And if we are a rest of the world seller, we're not going to sell it to Canadians for less than the world price. And there's a whole lot of things that are large. Well, there's two things that are large in the things we buy. One is energy, which is the price is set in the rest of the world and the reality is there's 36 or 37 million Canadians and there's a whole lot of other people in the world buying oil and gas and they're going to determine the price, the supply and the demand. And we know the Russian supply was considerably cut and we know that demand is the roughly, the if, if anything, it's bigger now that post-pandemic people are traveling, driving and taking airplanes again and those are big energy users. So that's one piece. And then the other piece is um, in the food world, uh, a big chunk of food is is also bought and sold on world markets. And those are the grains. And those are all the ways in which cooking oils are made. So palm oil, canola oil, um, corn oil, all those things. Um, they're just priced in the rest of the world. And um, most people have read that it is very difficult to get grain out of the Ukraine and a little bit more more difficult to get it out of Russia. So two big supplies have disappeared. And if there's the same supply, price will go up. Um, The other piece that's internal is is the uh, cost of accommodation. And that enters the, the way they calculate inflation in a very, very messy way. But I will say that the run-up in the price of owner-occupied housing in the last two years makes the measured cost of housing more expensive, even for someone like me who owns their own house and is mortgage-free. And frankly, the price of houses could quadruple and it wouldn't change the cost of me living in my house, right? And there's lots of people like that. So the housing one is a real mess but I I think that in terms of calculations, but I think in terms of staying at 8%, it is unlikely that the price of energy will rise by 8% or 16% every year. It is, we hope that there will be ways of moving grain out of the Ukraine and we hope that other growers will grow the grain and oil seeds that the world needs and some of that price effect will go away. Um, The housing one in Canada, that's a whole other conversation.
0: Yeah. So the uh, the I want to break that down into two parts here, David, is that um, the cool thing, I think that what you're really helping me understand right now is sort of this bigger picture. You talked about, you know, 100 years ago, Infrastructure really has created access to product and all those things. We're living a better life today. We saw through COVID that infrastructure break down in so many ways cost of containers threefold, fourfold, fivefold as much in order to just get containers to get stuff moved because of all the things everybody was going through. When we start to see infrastructure return, shipping, all those things, my understanding is, correct me if I'm wrong, um, that that could help. And then I will also add on to that. Is once that infrastructure returns, though, is there not a lesson here that Canada? I mean, we're so heavily uh, reliant on you know the energy in Canada as being a backbone of our economy. In addition to that, uh, housing is a big part of it too—the money of housing. So, is is it a diversification problem? Yeah. Should we be worried as Canadians.
1: Well, first of all, I think we're actually happy when the price of energy goes up in Canada. At least people in Alberta and Saskatchewan and British Columbia are really happy. Not so much in Ontario <laughs> and Quebec um, and the other provinces that don't produce energy. But the country as a whole is, is much better off at oil at $125 a barrel than it is at oil at $10 a barrel. Um, whether we like the way that's shared out, is a constant political discussion in Canada. I gather you're operating from Calgary. So all I have to do is say the world, the words national energy plan, and everyone will explode. <laughs> or, but that was an attempt to avoid world market in oil, and a, probably a very poor idea. And uh, for lots of reasons, it was abandoned. Um, so I, I think that Yes, the world, the world prices will probably unwind in energy and in foodstuffs. And you mentioned containers. That's not my full area of expertise, but I have read that, yes, you are right. There was a, a peak transportation cost problem, which will probably go away. Um, the world shipping industry is, as far as I understand it, pretty competitive and has lots of of. People operating if they have empty ships that are willing to cut prices to get cargoes into them. So those things will work to reduce the rate of price um, increases. And in fact, some prices may actually fall. I mean, we know, uh, for example, that um, the other huge place where I think people would notice is that the purchase of used and new automobiles, I think their, their prices have, have gone up significantly. I can just check that when I hit the right wheel here. Um, again, I haven't been in the car market, but I keep hearing people. I think car. that's
0: a pretty safe one based on how much people are asking for cars.
1: If you want a new car, you're waiting, right? So if you want a new car, you're waiting. Well, that means that uh, automobile sellers have said, gee, everybody wants a new car what a good time to raise the price of cars. So you go into the dealer and said, oh, you know, go talk to the manager and give me a discount and they'll laugh you out of the shop, <laughs> right? They'll just say, look, we've got 50 people waiting for a car. You go away. And so there's, there, there has been a large increase. The, the, the little picture in Statistics Canada says that the prices of cars, uh, uh, purchase and leasing of cars has gone up by eight percentage points since a year ago. So the car that we could buy for, a, you know, um, $100 would now be $108. Now, I'm willing to bet that when the cars come back, the proper manufacturing comes back on stream and the semiconductor shortages are resolved and some of these other issues will go down, you'll see some discounting in cars, And you will also, my understanding is, again, just from reading things, that the purchase of used cars is... The people who are selling a good used car have a very strong bargaining position because they know you can't go and buy a new one, right? So they'll say, "I really want a good price for my used car." So some of those things I think will be temporary, and they're related to the kinds of of uh, things you're talking about, supply chain, and you're you're using the word infrastructure for what I think people would often use yep. as. The supply chain issues. Exactly. And once again, it's, Canada is not going to be able to do anything about that on an individual country basis. We are just too small. We buy cars from all over the world. And in practice, we sell cars to all over North America because for a very long time, since the 1960s, the uh, production, North American production of cars has been fully integrated across first the Canada-US border and now the Canada-US-Mexico border um, because it's just way more efficient for the car plant to produce all the Ford F-150s for North America in one place. And before that, Canadian cars were a lot more expensive than American cars because we used to produce small runs of all these different models and in, in the, on our side of the border and that made no sense we've had a free trade in cars since the 1960s
0: well it's absolutely fascinating that that part of which by the way to your example if you know anybody who's got a hundred dollar car for sale uh, please let me know because they have been expensive without a doubt
1: i I keep using a hundred (laughs) because it's easy i get it oh good (laughs) because people can visualize a hundred dollars and if i use a dollar they everyone will say well you really can't buy anything
0: yeah for a dollar you can't even buy anything at the dollar store for a dollar
1: no, you can't. So if I use a hundred dollars and say it's one hundred and ten, I hope that conveys something. If I used a thousand dollars and said it's eleven hundred, well, it's harder to do the math.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. But you know what? To your point there though, you know. David, when you're talking about these things about cars are people have raised the price of cars. I've seen the benefit of that with a used car sale and people are raising the price of these things. It, for me anyway, oh. as a person who is not educated in this, it seems concerning on the other end of this. You have a people that have paid an awful lot of money for some houses because demand was up. Gotta buy, gotta buy, gotta buy. We've seen a softening there. We've seen we're going to at least see a softening in the used car market without a doubt sometime soon. And it may be already started. So isn't that concerning to think how many people are going to be, if you will, not too cliche, underwater in all of
1: this? Um, It is concerning in the sense that the um, financial market crisis or that we had in 2008 was very strongly associated with exactly what you said in the United States. Um, many houses were purchased by people when they couldn't service the mortgages. Now, there's there's lots of complicated, trying to think of the best way to explain this to people. Um, What you're saying is, if if I bought a house for a million dollars and I only have a $100,000 down payment on it, And that price house drops all the way to $500,000, and I'm still paying that $900,000 mortgage. It might make more sense for me to walk away from the mortgage. Now, in the US, that happened a lot because they were allowed to have very small down payments. And the problem with that is that that mortgage, I'm going to, those mortgage payments are my retirement fund because when I buy a GIC, that is essentially being paid by someone's mortgage, right? The interest that I get on the GIC is the interest someone else pays, pays on their mortgage. So if they stop paying on the mortgage, then the, in, the institution that owes me the GIC might go bankrupt and then I'm in trouble. That's sort of what happened in 2008. There were lots of banks in the world who held too many mortgages. And I won't go watch the movies about them. There's, there's really good movies about this in the 2008 financial crisis, right? The big short, and uh I forget what the other one's called, mm-hmm. uh, the one with the, the documentary. Um, so are we going to do that in Canada? Well, it didn't happen in Canada in 2008. We had a run-up in house prices and a collapse, and we sure hope it won't happen here. Now, what do we do in Canada to make that harder? First of all, um, we... Generally speaking, have made people have larger down payments in Canada, and that means that the price has to fall a lot more before you're in trouble, before the mortgage is underwater. Because initially, um, the uh, the person simply loses part of their down payment. It's sort of I'm not saying that very well. That was very poorly explained. Um, anyhow, if the down payment is really large, it becomes much less of a problem. The other thing is is that we um, are pretty careful to tell our financial institutions, both federally and provincially, not to have all their mortgages in Calgary. In other words, we make them spread their mortgages across lots of different um, uh, jurisdictions, and that helps a lot because it's unlikely that prices are gonna fall by a huge amount everywhere. So if we have a collapse in Vancouver from the astronomical levels that they were at, Um, maybe the rest of the country won't have as big a collapse. So we we try, financial market regulation is actually quite important in the scenario that you talk about when assets that are purchased with loans um, drop a lot in value. And, And yeah, so we try to figure out how to make sure that doesn't happen and you don't end up with bankruptcies of the financial institutions, of the banks and of the credit unions. In Canada, we've been very good at avoiding that. Um, The last banks that collapsed were in Alberta in the 90s. I don't know if you're old enough to remember those or not.
0: I'm old enough, but I don't remember it. The
1: Northern Bank and another bank that I now forget the name of, they both had very large um, uh, mortgage portfolios to Alberta shopping centers. They thought they were no lose when the price of oil was going crazy high. Couldn't lose lending money on people building stuff in Alberta. It turned out you could.
0: This is absolutely fascinating.
1: Those 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 banks were cool, but we really try not to make that happen, and it did happen in the United States in 2008. So we really don't want to have that happen. We really want to make sure that financial institutions where people put their money and buy their GICs and keep their accounts are being run in a very responsible and quite
0: regulated regulated way david johnson uh absolutely incredible uh in look at inflation boy oh boy the thought that maybe we just need to look in the mirror doesn't diminish the fact that it's hard but maybe we need to relook at this because i don't know about you but the weight on my shoulders i feel it do you feel it
1: This is The Shift Podcast. What would you do
0: with $5,000 if you could have five grand right now? Steve says, where did the 5K come from? Wait, what? Don't ask questions. Just take the money. This imaginary stack of cash I'm handing you, I want to know where you go. What do you do? It's interesting, though. I have to say the amount of people that have shared their story about, um, why things are difficult. I'm going to try to get some of those because it is interesting. It's very interesting to hear your story. And I didn't ask for the story of why things are difficult. I'm asking the question of what would you do with $5,000? And so I am grateful for you sharing your stories with me. There's many of them here and I hope to share a couple of them. I create that distinction though, because that is the way we perceive it. Sometimes, and this is what I'm just learning about my own financial situation, and I said it a few weeks ago on the shift. In fact, it inspired some extra learning and asking some questions of some friends to learn more. As I said, you know, the reason why we're not millionaires is because we don't know how to be millionaires. And isn't it interesting when I literally offer an imaginary $5,000 to create anything you want to create, the first response is to talk about all the reasons why we're broke. My situation is probably a lot like yours. I'm gamefully employed. I've been a single dad for nine years, lost a business last year, and the old ledger is uh, bleeding. It's a little red. So I feel like I get it. But what would you do if you could have $5,000, anything that you want, where would you go for it? So... 877-399-9898. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. 399 I make $5,000 a month after taxes, Texas says debt free. Three quarters of it goes towards retirement. One more year to go. Yay. Well, isn't that interesting to be able to save for retirement and put that towards it? That's pretty cool. Thanks Lyle.
4: Um
0: Shane, any extra money that comes away goes directly to my retirement. My plan—I plan to retire in a couple of years. I was giving an inheritance gift of—I was given an inheritance gift of five thousand dollars in June, and that's where it's going. My target is retirement in two years, Don and Pembroke. Thank you very much, Don. Is the five K a taxable benefit or income? Taxable benefit or income? It's a gift, Steve. It's just a gift. I'll give you a letter. You can take it to the imaginary letter to your imaginary bank and say, "This is an imaginary gift. You don't get taxed on it. You are allowed to accept a gift." But it is funny, right? We pick it all apart. <sighs> $500. We can't do that. Right? Isn't that it's interesting? I'm oh, sorry. I'm just reading some messages, right? Um, And I, I hear you. I'm hearing all these stories that are coming in. Some of these are long right now. Um, Like, I, I, I do hear the pain that you're in and what you're going through. I need you to know that. Of money, $5,000 would restore a chunk of my savings that I've overspent wasted during the pandemic, keeping myself isolated due to pre-pandemic testing, undiagnosed, untreated heart issue so far. Everyone's story is so different. Five grand, Miss Josie says. I'm booking a trip, flight to Scotland, rental car, ferry tickets, hotel reservations in Tobermory on the Isle of Mull so that I can spend a few days exploring the village of Calgary and enjoying the wonderful scenery around Calgary Bay. That's where our Canadian city got its name from. That's Miss Josie in Calgary. Fantastic. I love that fantasy. Let's go to Evelyn, who's in Winnipeg. Hi, Ev.
4: Hey, Shane. It's great to hear your voice again on the radio. However, tomorrow, tomorrow Mm. I get my first tooth pull. Uh-oh. Basically, my and my dentist, the one that's overseeing all my work, has stated that I have up to three thousand dollars of work ahead of me. So Oy. that five thousand dollars would come in really handy. <laughs> for
0: yeah, my no kidding. Work. Yeah, yeah. So are yeah. you are you going through your dental work slowly and carefully? Are you prepared? You know what? Uh, how is that going for you? I imagine it's stressful.
4: Right now. Um, I'm nervous about my first tooth pull. This is my very yeah. first extraction, so yeah, yeah. I'm.
0: I've never and had also, that.
4: Sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, and also, yeah, and also, um, when the dentist oversaw, you know, did my report, my oversee yeah. report, he said I have seven fillings that have to be taken care of. So, seven. Yeah, so that's seven of them, but they're not wow. going to be all done in one shot. They're going to be done in stages, which means yeah. that maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. I'll have a dental, dental work done. Yeah, but it's expensive. I didn't realize yeah. how, how expensive. And I am going the cheap route because I know we had this discussion before with regards to health care and everything else. It's it's getting, it's getting there. It's getting expensive, even even for the poor end of, of dental mm-hmm. work and health care and all that other stuff. So I don't know how people do it. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, people that answer your $5,000 question, um, mm-hmm. they're going to do something big fun with it. And yeah, I think so. I think that would
0: be fun. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is, I mean, this is, we're just, we're playing imagination right now. So you can have fun with it and you can talk about the real life things. I mean, my answer, Ev, by the way, would be that I would pay down debt as well. So, I mean, not a lot different. Yours just is like a an oral debt. Mine is a, a financial debt. We got to take care of those things so we can move on. Thanks so much for the call. You're
4: welcome, so, Shane. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Talk Bye. to you soon.
0: Bye-bye. Uh, Evelyn's in Winnipeg right there. Um. Ryan O'Donnell, if you had $5,000 today, uh, extra, just here you go, plop it on the desk. Thanks. You're welcome. What would I do with it? Oh,
2: man. I mean, I think uh, the easiest way I would put it would four grand would go immediately into uh savings and that that's not just a savings account it's you know like RSP and all those fun stuff and I would give myself a grant I would um I've you know it's, it's been a it's been a long year and I really want to treat myself. I want this pair of headphones really bad. they're expensive. I need new headphones but you know'm I'm, I'm gonna have to save several months if I want to get them by like Christmas time as a treat. I would get them right now. I was like mm-hmm. it's been a rough time. I would love to treat myself but also being smart with the rest of it. And uh, afford myself that, you know? And I wouldn't buy any Lego.
0: Um, Brandon, who is this guy who's on the radio with us right right now? He just said RSP and no Lego, Lego. right?
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Like... I don't know what's happening. I wonder what's if, happening to Ryan. I wonder if
3: CIBC Surprise. has a, a Lego savings account. So you can. <laughs> <laughs> a Lego savings
0: account. <laughs> that sounds awesome.
2: Oh my God. Can you imagine like a Lego Visa card? Oh, count me in. No, oh, no,
0: no, awesome. no. Oh, there he is. Oh, Ryan's right, back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh,
2: sorry. I'm
0: back to square one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Welcome back, Ryan. Oh, man. 877 399 98 What would you do if you could have $5,000 today? Um, this is from Steve in Vancouver, the best month of September. Nice and warm in the day, cool at night. 5K would purchase a lot of local Okanagan fruit and vegetables to preserve. Yummy, yummy. There you go. So feed feed the hobby, Steve. I like that. See? If you could have $5,000 today, what would you do? Wow, $5,000 would be fantastic. I'd pay my hydro bill go buy the groceries we actually need instead of slashing the list down to the things we can't manage without. Ooh, that rings true, doesn't it? I'd fill the gas tank. If there was anything left, I would buy myself some new clothes because I lost 20 pounds and everything I own is two sizes too big. Oh, congratulations on your hard work and your success. That's awesome. That one sounds pretty real to me. Um, amazing. Someone says Pilates classes, $5,000. 877-399-9898. 877-399-9898. What would you do if you could have $5,000 today? There's no right answers, just your imagination. Maybe it's real, whatever. 55K. Five, five I'd help my kids and my grandchildren. I'd love to help them out with my daughter's loans and education. And my son, I would have to get uh, my grandchildren, two and three, his girlfriend out of the North End into a house where they can um, let their kids outside and not worry about Anything bad happening? Uh, Thanks, Deb. Appreciate that. Is that the case? Sometimes we just can't take it for ourselves. I mean, I would encourage um, free to, I mean, giving is great, but take care of yourself, right? A little bit too. Oxygen mask. 877 399 9898. 5000. Wow. I would buy a lot of food for the food bank, buy new music from a used record store, buy some snuggly, fluffy, warm blankets. Go to the thrift stores, enjoy a chocolate stuffed cookie at Dairy Queen. So this is cool. All right, good. We got uh, CG, is that what we got? Oh, Susie, CG, I get it. Um, hey, CG, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. What would you do if you had $5,000 today?
3: If I had $5,000, I would buy my mom, who just turned 79, so I'd like to wish her a happy, related birthday to Pat, and I would buy her... Hearing aids and dentures.
0: Hearing aids and dentures. Yeah. So your mom can't, your mom just can't, eh?
3: Yeah, she's, you know, on a big scene to come and uh, she just doesn't have the money.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said her name's Pat? Yep. Yeah. Happy birthday, Pat. Um. Yeah, thank you very much, CG. I like the generosity is overflowing. You can hear it um you know CG's talking about giving it away too it does make me curious though you know why we can't do it for ourselves i, I get it like listen to CG's just being kind taking care of her mom that's awesome I admire it what would you do 5000 dollars 5000 imaginary dollars plunk right there on the table